Hey friends, it's Weston, and I wanted to take just a second to thank you for listening to the Bowling Green Christian Church Sermon Podcast. If someone recommended this message to you, I hope that it encourages you. If you're here getting caught up on a week you missed, I hope that it challenges you. And if you're a visitor checking us out, I hope that it helps you connect with Jesus and his church. Whoever you are, whenever you're ready to take your next step closer to Jesus or to connect with a BGCC family, know that we're here for you. You can learn more about how to connect with us by downloading our app when you text BGCC app to 77977. There in the app, you can submit prayer requests, find out about upcoming events, and even give to help support our ministry, including this podcast. It's my prayer that God uses this message to encourage and equip you to take your next best step in life, which is always one step closer to Jesus. Good to see everybody. Good to hear from you, sir. I'm glad that you're here. And all of the rest of you, I'm glad you're here as well. Glad to be with you. Hey, before we get into the message today, I've got some uh, some good news. Uh, you guys are incredibly generous as a church. I want to thank you for that. And I want to let you know uh, what that's enabled us to do as a congregation. As a congregation this week, the missions team has earmarked $1,000 that we're sending to help with Hurricane Ida. It's going to be going out this week. So we're excited to be able to help there. We're also sending another $1,000 check to Haiti to help with the uh, relief from the earthquake that's happening there. And so that's because you guys are giving as God's calling you to give and you're being generous. So I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank everybody who's helping to support the church. Um, your generosity as individuals helps us as a church to be generous as a, as a corporate body. So thank you for that. We are also going to be partnering uh, with an agency, we're talking with some right now, about helping to welcome, uh, I think we're getting somewhere in the neighborhood of about 200 Afghan refugees to Bowling Green in the coming weeks, months. So we're going to be working to try to find a way to help show love in a very practical way to some folks that are coming into our community. So we'll keep you posted with that as we get there. So thank you. Keep, keep being generous. It helps us to be generous as a church. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Today we are in uh, week three of our series, Hashtag Struggles. We started the series looking at um, being content. Uh, never have we lived as people with so much, but wanted so much more. And we looked in that first week how the more we compare, the less content we are. Uh, last week, we talked about intimacy and how we live in a time where we can get you know, instant feedback and connections, but it's not a very deep connection. It's not a very deep feedback. And so if we're going to be in intimate, life-giving relationships with each other, then what we have to do is we have to practice the power of presence and just show up in each other's lives do things like make a phone call and really engage and invest. Don't just, you know, give it a thumbs up, but actually get involved. And we talked about how we were going to love each other face to face, not just thumb to thumb. Today we're talking about something uh, a little different. We're talking about this problem of unfiltered, uh, the filtered world we live in and how we can be intimate in this filtered world. I mean, we live in a society that is obsessed with selfies. Now, I'm not a big selfie taker. If we're friends online, you are not surprised by this statement. Uh, I'm not one to turn the camera around and say, hey, look at me. Here's what's happening. Here's what's going on in, in my world. You know, that's, that's just not me. I like to take pictures of people and places and things, not myself. And so last week I, I, I commented that, 
you know, if I was feeling lonely, what I could do is like take a selfie of myself. I could post it online and be like, probably going to delete later, feeling extra holy right now, you know, and some of you would be like, man, your shirt is like amazing, your beard, and, and so somebody actually texted me after church last week and said, hey, your beard was on point today, <laughs> which, I mean, I appreciated, but then they said, I was going to post that on a selfie that you had, but I realized you didn't have any selfies, so uh, that's not my thing. But I know that in this room, we've got a lot of selfie takers, and there's nothing wrong with that, okay? There's nothing wrong with selfies. It's just sort of this generational gap, I suppose. We, growing up, we didn't take selfies growing up. Growing up, we didn't turn the camera on ourselves. You know, maybe if you had a bunch of people and you were goofy and you had one of those disposable cameras, you know, we could rethink the philosophy on that later, but, you know, you could turn around maybe and take a picture of like a group of people, but you just didn't do a lot of selfies. And yet, selfies have come on strong. Uh, 2014, here's what we got, 17 million selfies uploaded each week. That's seven years ago. You know that number has not gone down. 2015, Google did a survey uh, on its servers of all the files it had posted. It had over 24 billion selfies on its servers in 2015. You know that number's not gone down. The National Park Service is concerned about selfies. Um, I know this sounds, this sounds interesting, and it, it's mildly interesting. This might be in jeopardy later. Um, but they are looking at how much traffic is, is in these places of like high-desire you know, photo ops, like right in front of you know, Old Faithful, you know, El Capitan, you know, Half Dome and Yellowstone, all these places. And they realize that people are getting hurt taking selfies. They're like, yeah, just come back a little bit more. And then like, oh, it's the Grand Canyon. Um, <laughs> happens for real. Um, or, you know, they're like, just like, oh man, they take a picture and then it's not quite where they want it to be. And so then they take it again. And there's like, meanwhile, a whole backlog of people trying to do the exact same thing. So they're building selfie stations in the national park. And it's just a wood thing with a shelf. So you can set your phone on it and then set the timer, run back over there. Like we used to do in the old days, like beep, 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 every smile, and then take the picture. And the idea is that it's going to have it set up for you. So that way you spend less time taking selfies and more people can you know, move through the park. That's the idea. So think about that. We're having to engineer devices to help us take selfies in places because it's such a big deal. You know, you take that selfie, you turn that picture around, you know, but for us, for me growing up, man, the worst day, I don't know about you, growing up in school was, anybody else hate picture day as much as I hated picture? Yeah. Man, that hand was instant. That was just like, yeah, I hate picture day. Picture day was the worst. Maybe it still is, but I remember they would bring in boxes of like cheap plastic combs, like there's a whole box, and like even kids like me who didn't really comb their hair, they were like, here, comb your hair, your mom will like it, and mom had sent you in a shirt, and she was like, don't eat, you know, like spaghetti before your picture, or like tuck a bib in, you know, because that's the photo. Those of you that have lived in technology world, you don't understand, like they took a picture, it went on film, and that was it. We didn't know how it looked. You know, they would wheel in, like, this big backdrop, and it was, like, sky blue or had lasers on it, depending on how, you know, cool you were in the era. And they would take pictures, and they'd say, hey, you know, do something that looks natural. And by natural, we mean, like, this. And, and then we're going to take a picture, because that's how we're all sitting in school, is like this. And then you'd get the picture, and your eyes might be closed. Um, your hair might be like, joint, you know, popped up in the back, and, but that's it. Now, if you ordered the picture package, you got to know your humiliation later. If you didn't, it's just going in the yearbook for the whole world to see, and that's you for the year. That's picture day, okay? But now, it's not like that, right? Because you can take a picture, 
And if you don't like it, you can be like, hey, delete, take one more. We're going to take another one. Ah, oh, yeah, that's better. This is my good side. I don't know what that means. Um, yeah, we're going to take these photos. And then, you know, if your hair's bad, you know, you could tame it. If you're feeling a little bloated, I'm told that they have the face tune that can make you feel smaller, thin it up just a little bit. You got that zit? You know, no problem. We're just going to airbrush it out or whatever they do, with whatever you call it. You can filter it out there. You, uh, for those of you that don't know filters, you just put a layer on top of the photo, essentially. So it can be black and white. It can be old school sepia. They got a whole bunch. But you can put all this on there. You get it curated just the way you want the picture to look. You crop out the people you don't want in there. And then... You know, you got to put the hashtag in there. It's got to be the right hashtag. Got to have a caption. And the caption has got to be thoughtful and good, but it can't look like you spent too much time on this. Right? So an hour later, you know, we have something that's presentable, and it, it looks casual, like, oh, yeah, just, I don't know, this is the selfie I took when I didn't care, you know, how I looked, you know, and we put it out there. This is the world in which we live, where we have the capacity to not just filter what we say, but even how we appear to other people. We just throw that filter on, and we can sort of disguise the real us, and we hide behind it. And, and here's the thing uh, that Craig Grishel and the folks over at Life Church, and we're glad to be able to use this material from them, uh, his, his hypothesis is this, and I think he's right. People are starting to fear and avoid unfiltered communication. I think it's true. And if you don't think it's true, let me ask you this question. How many times do you get somebody when you actually call them on the phone? Think about that just for a second. You call somebody on the phone. You know they know your number. You know they've got your number saved. They know, you know that they know, you know that they know who it is. There you go. And they know that you know that you know that they know who it is on the phone. And yet nobody's answering the phone. You know, you're not calling about the car's extended warranty. You're not calling about, you know, a, a getaway cruise. Um, you're just calling, and the phone doesn't get answered. What happens next is a text, right? Hey, what's going on? Um, hey, what's happening? You know, sorry, missed your call. What is this? It's, I think, a fear that we have. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I do the wrong thing? What if I come across as manic or, you know, whatever on the phone? Uh, let's just text because we can edit that. We can look that over. I mean, how many times do you see those three little bubbles, my Apple friends? You know, how many times do you see those three little bubbles, and you're just like, what are they typing? What are they typing? And it's so weird, like when they're typing, 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 and then the bubbles go away, and you're like, what just happened? Like, where? I thought we were having a conversation. You, you actually were never having a conversation. You were just, you know, sending little missiles back and forth at each other of information. We are afraid to have unfiltered communication. But here's the thing. This isn't new to us. Selfies didn't invent this. This isn't a new problem for us. This has been around from the beginning of time. Adam and Eve, they had the first filter, if you will. So you go back to the book of Genesis, and you've got Adam and Eve. It says that they are created in the image of God, both of them, male, female. They are living in a state of perfection and innocence. God is there walking with them in the evening. Uh, the Bible says that they're naked. They feel no shame. They're completely unfiltered with each other. They're completely unfiltered with God. And then what happens? Sin enters into the world one day. And it says as sin enters into the world, as sin comes to them, as they make this choice to know sin, and by no, we mean actually experience it, then all of a sudden, what is it? It says that their eyes were opened. Their eyes have been opened before, but now they realize who they were in relation to each other. And what does the text say? That they were naked, they were ashamed. Next thing they do is they go get the fig leaf filter, okay? And they filter themselves the fig leaves. If you're unclear about that, think about that later, and then you explain it to your neighbor. Um, but that's it. Fig leaf filter is the very first one that comes out. 
And Adam and Eve, they cover themselves up. Why? Because they don't want to be seen as they truly are. And then it says God comes. And instead of running to God, saying, God, hey, listen, we really messed up. We're super sorry. I don't know what we did. What, they went and they hid. They're trying to hide from God. There's this filter that comes up between them and God as well. And there's this, we might think of it like a veil, like a covering. And they live with this veil between them and each other and them and God. Because they're afraid to be seen as they really are. Now, why is that? I think there's a shame they made the wrong choice. I think we might even wonder, you know, was there physical consequences of sin? You know, you know, you can imagine, you know, a, a perfect body, but what would it really look like if it was in true perfection without sin? I mean, because we're all in the process of dying right now. Not positive to think about, but it's true. What does a body that is not in the process of dying look like? Is it maybe that as they looked at themselves and they looked at each other, they started to realize, oh my gosh, you know, we're not any longer in the status of perfection. And they're ashamed and they hide. You know, their first reaction isn't to go to God to confess. Their first reaction isn't to go to each other and say, man, what have we done? We're going to get through this together. Their very first reaction when they do something wrong, when they don't measure up to the standard that they had, that God has, their very first reaction isn't to confess, isn't to try to make it right, it's to hide. And that's the same thing for all of us right now. We live in a time and a place where we are filtering our lives, where we're showing other people the me that we want them to see. And, and it's having an effect on all of our relationships, even our relationship with God. The Apostle Paul will talk about this in 2 Corinthians 3. I want to look at that text in a second, but I want to set up a, a, the scenario for you here. Because you might, it might have been a while since you read the book of Exodus. So let me just refresh everybody's memory. In the book of Exodus, we read that Moses has these interactions with God that he goes to meet God on the mountain and that God speaks to him. Then he goes to the tent of meeting and that God speaks to him face to face as a friend would speak to another friend. And it says that when Moses leaves the tent, that his face is radiant. Now, scholars aren't entirely sure, but they kind of agree that most likely what it means is that his face is glowing. Like, imagine hanging out in a nuclear plant for a while. Like, his face is just glowing. You turn out the lights and there's Moses, you know. Um, he's there, he's glowing, and it's terrifying. The text says that the Israelites, they looked at Moses and they were like afraid and they're like, hey, Moses, cover that thing up, man. We don't want to see it. You know, we don't want to be coming face to face with the glory of God because Moses, you've spent time with God. It's rubbed off on you. That radiance is there. And so Moses puts a veil over his face so that way the Israelites are not terrified of the presence of God revealed in him. And so Paul talks about this here. And he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, we are not like Moses. He says, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away, that glory that would eventually fade. He says, but their minds were made dull. For this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, read this last part with me, a veil covers their hearts friends here's the truth we've got to come to grips with is that a veil that first covers the face will eventually cover the heart a veil that covers our face is going to eventually cover the heart what starts out as this superficial covering for moses to just put over his face so the israelites don't see it turns into a veil that covers their hearts 
because the Israelites don't want to come face to face with God. And so what do they do after Moses is gone? They start to put on this veil of works and righteousness and legalism. And they're like, man, if we just stack enough of this stuff off between us and God, then we won't have to come face to face with him. And that veil gets so thick and it is so impenetrable and you can't see through it that when Jesus Christ, God's own son shows up, the veil is so thick they can't recognize him. Friends, this is a problem. This is what's happening to us. I'm afraid that the veils we use to cover our face is eventually going to cover our hearts. The question we might need to ask ourselves, is there anybody that knows the real? Maybe another question is, when was the last time you were honest to God? Listen, this isn't just a 20-something problem. I know that some of you who are a little bit older, you want to sort of shuffle this off to the side and be like, I don't take selfies, it's not my issue. Yes, it's, it's been our issue from the beginning of time. Adam and Eve have done it. We do it most, actually, I think, when we come to church. I hate to admit it, it's true. Because when was the last time you asked somebody, how are things going in church, and the answer wasn't, fine, I'm fine. Yeah, no, how are things going? Fine, you know, you just got laid off, but it's fine. You know, how are things going at home? Oh, it's fine. You know, you and your wife, you fought the entire way to church. You're, you know, you're not even thinking counselor at this point. You're thinking attorney, but it's fine. It's fine. No, you laugh. I've had people call me, and they call me on the way to the divorce lawyer. I'm not even kidding. It's true. It's sad. And I'll be like, man, what? I had no idea. And they're like, I know. We've been telling everybody things are fine, but it hasn't been for years. It hasn't been for years. It might be you here this morning. The veil that covers the face eventually covers the heart. It keeps us in a place of isolation between us and each other, us and God. It, it boxes us out, friends. That's what happens. It smothers us. It traps us. Are there parts of you that you've not shared with others in decades? And now we've got this opportunity where we don't have to put the real person forward. We can take pictures of ourselves and our food and like eating our food. And we can you know, take pictures of the new shirt, the pants, and the new car, the house. And we can say, hey, do you like this? Do you like this? What do you think about this? And, and all these people are, are liking and we're just sort of living for likes. But really we're longing for love. And, and we're wanting those folks to you know, double tap that little heart. But, but really what we want is God's honest love experience in a real and authentic way. And we don't have it because we're not living authentic lives. Here, here's what this is doing in our relationships. It, it is allowing us to impress people with our strengths, but we're connecting with others only through our weaknesses. I, I want to just, just throw this out there. This, this is, I'm skipping down here to point four for those of you that are taking notes, but it, it's we impress people with our strengths, but we connect through our weaknesses. You know, I think we live in this time where we just, we're just we so glad to impress people. We're always glad to be filtered. We're always glad to show our best side. But we're not really connecting. I, I don't know what kind of public persona you've got on Instagram or face, Facebook or, uh, uh, you know, what are the other choices you've got out there. Yeah, I'm, I know I'm limited in this department. Um, you know, but, but I've seen people on there. You know who I'm talking about. The people that, like, you know, I'm, I'm hey, I'm Mr. Spiritual Guy, you know, or I'm Mr. Spiritual Miss spiritual gal, um, you know, Mr. Guy, Miss, Miss Gal, I got it now, thanks. Um, you know, hey, I'm just a spiritual guy here, you know, it's a picture of me, coffee, Bible, Jesus. Now, I know some of you, man, that comes from a real authentic place for you, and you're trying to encourage people to do what you're, you're doing, and, and you post it sometimes for an accountability thing. You want people to hold you accountable to being in your scripture. I get that, and I think that's awesome, 
But I also know that there's this persona we adopt sometimes where it's like, hey, I'm going to take these pictures. I'm going to take pictures of me going to church. I'm going to take pictures of, of the Bible. I'm going to screenshot my version, you know, Bible app, verse, whatever. And, and I'm going to put out this, I'm the super spiritual person. Uh, sometimes we do it with our family. You know, like, you know, the, the with it mom, you know, every picture of the van is entirely clean. The van is never entirely clean, trust me, unless you bought it new that week. You know, the van is not clean. You don't always have cookies that match the team ladybug, you know, thing that you come and everybody's dressed and hair's always put together. You know, you, but, but online, man, you've got it all together. But man, really, you're barely hanging on. You know, or, or you're the park dad, the guy that's always going out doing stuff, you know, outside with the kids, and that's really great and awesome for you, and, and, you know, that's awesome, I'm happy, but, you know, we all live in reality. There's days where you're tired and, and things are hard, but you're not going to share that, but you're trying to put this, this persona forward that you've got all that together. Or, or what, you've got the protein shake guy? I'm not kidding, not making this up. I hope they're not watching on live stream right now. Lord, forgive me. Um, I probably shouldn't say it. I'm going to... Guy took a picture of his new muscle stuff in a, I think it was a truck stop bathroom. And I thought, oh my gosh, really? <laughs> this is what we're doing now? Like, but this is the persona we're going to put? We're going to put out this like muscular persona taken in a public bathroom? Like, what is going on? Sorry about that. What's going on here? Like, we've got this persona we've got to put out. Come on. Or, or how about the anniversary photos, right? I mean, gosh, smoochy poo, I love you. It's been so, so many years, so happily married. Couldn't, couldn't be happier to be married to you. But that's the most you're going to congratulate your spouse on your anniversary. You're actually not going to even do it in person. You're just going to put it online because, you know, Facebook reminded you to do that. Friends, we've got all these personas we're putting out there. What's yours? What is yours? Here's what I want you to know, is that you might impress people with these strengths, but you are never going to connect with them. Because why? Because you're afraid that if they found out who you really were versus who you pretend to be, guess what? You're afraid they're not going to like you, that they're going to call you a fraud, and that they're going to disfriend you in real life and online. That's why we've got to be honest with ourselves. Now, this doesn't mean you have to put everything online. You know who I'm talking about. This doesn't mean you have to post everything that happens in your life. Please don't do that. But when we do, we ought to be honest. We ought to put out, you know, who we honestly are. What's really going on? Here's what I've found. Is that when I'm willing to be honest about who I am and where I'm at, people resonate with that. I have found in sitting on bleachers, watching Little League games, you know, at car rider lines and those awkward things where you know somebody and you've got to kind of talk to them for a little bit. Uh, for those of us who are a little more introverted in nature, that's super awkward. Um, but you know what? I found when I'm willing to say, yeah, this week's been a little bit of a challenge. I'm not whining. I'm just trying to be real. I find this response is common. Yeah, me too. Me too. And, and then there's just something that happens, like a friendship starts to form as you start to say, man, I, you know what? I, I thought I was the only one. I thought I was alone in this. You form connections through your weaknesses. You can impress people with your strengths, but you can only connect through your weaknesses. So the question we need to ask ourselves, what is that veil that we're wearing? What are we covering ourselves up with? And how do we get rid of it? Back to point three here, I think. I've, I don't know, I've lost point to track here. How do we get rid of it? It's only Christ can take the veil away. That's what I want you to know. Only Christ can take the veil away. I, I mean this. 
I'm serious about this. I know that sometimes we come to the church and, you know, we think, oh, yeah, Jesus, he's the answer. I got it. But he really is. The whole message is this. Only Christ can take the veil away. I, I want you to know this morning, if what I've said to you resonates with you and you're thinking to yourself, man, yeah, that's, that's kind of me. I'm living in a place where I feel like I'm not real in my relationship with God. I don't have real relationships with other people. I feel like I'm, I'm hemmed in by this veil that I've put around myself. I've sort of filtered my way into isolation. If that's you, I want you to know that this morning you can really be set free from that. Like, you really can. Like, today could be the day, you know, it'd be September here in 2021, September 12, 2021, where you could say, man, that was the day that changed my life because that was the day that I got real. You know, for some of you, that might mean that you need to be baptized into Christ. You know, and I say this, man, you could choose to do that today. We've got black T-shirts and shorts and towels and everything. We're ready for you. The question is, are you ready to get real with God? Are you ready to get real with God? Friends, that's where we're at, because you are not going to be able to do this without the help of Jesus Christ. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, what is those next words there? It says, the veil is taken away. Man, that's what happens. When you turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Spirit of the Lord is, now where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Church, notice here some of the things that are taking place here. It says, when the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. It says, we with unveiled faces. What does that mean? The, the veil comes off, warts and all, and we just stare at the glory of God. And we absorb his radiance, and it starts to change who we are. What does it say next? It says that we are transformed into his image. With what? With ever-increasing glory. When the veil comes off and we come face-to-face -face with God, we are transformed into his likeness. We become a little bit less, and Jesus comes a little bit more inside of us. And in fact, we become who we were created to be. Friends, that happens when we take the veil off. And when we take the veil off, we realize that we're no longer living for the approval of people, but we are living from the approval of God. And that is a liberating place for us to be. You recognize, man, I'm acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And it's there that we are transformed into somebody who lives in a place of freedom because the veil has come off and we're staring God face to face just like Moses was. And we become more radiant just like Moses was. And when we go into the world, we just naturally show that to the people that we meet in the conversations we have and in the encounters we go through in our daily lives. Friends, that's what happens when the veil comes off. And then our relationships with others are made more authentic and real because we realize we don't have to impress people. We don't need to work for the double tap heart because God has given us a new heart inside of us. We don't have to worry about how many people like the stuff we put out there because we know that God likes us and it sets us free to be who we were created to be in Jesus Christ. So the question is, what are we going to do today? Are we going to allow the veil to remain? Or are we going to give it over to Jesus Christ? Are we going to turn that veil over and say, man, God, I want you to take it off. I want to come face to face with you and the people around me. The worship team's going to come out here in a second. And as we come into this time of decision, 
I'm looking forward to it because we're going to be welcoming uh, Sarah Jasper into the church today. That's going to be great. And that's a decision that she's, uh, we've been talking about for a little while. But I, I, I suspect that maybe there's other decisions that you have to make here this morning. Perhaps some of you need to make a decision to say, man, today's the day I'm going to get real with God. For some of you, you might need to decide, man, I'm going to wash away that old filter. I'm going to wash away the veil, and I'm going to come new in Jesus Christ. So for you, maybe today's that day you're going to be baptized into Jesus. Others of you, perhaps, you've been baptized into Christ, and you know better, but you've built yourselves into this box. You know, we leave the baptistry open on Sundays because we like people to be able to come and put their hands in there, kind of be reminded of the fact that you're already washed clean in Christ. And you can use that as a chance today to say, I'm going to start over. Or maybe today, it's, it's, you're going to spend some time in this next song praying because you know at lunchtime, you're going to have to sit down and you're going to have to look some, some family members and people in the eye and say, listen, I haven't been real with you. I've been trying to be somebody I'm not. And, and I really want to try to be more honest and authentic. And you might need to invite some friends or some family to, to say, hey, listen, when you see me fronting, when you see me putting the filter up, when you see the veil coming down, would you call me on that? Would you say, listen, you don't have to make fun of yourself because we know that you're, you know, you're feeling insecure about that. Listen, that's, that's my veil. I get it. You, know, you don't have to attack other people because you don't want people to look at you. You, you don't have to you know, pretend to be somebody you're not. You don't have to always be the expert. You don't always have to be this. And have somebody call you on that and say, listen, you can just be real with me. Today's the day you've got the opportunity. The question is, are we going to be brave enough to take the veil off and to really make that decision to be real? I want everybody to, to bow their heads because I want to just pray for everybody here this morning. If, if you're here this morning and today resonated with you and you really want me to pray for you, would you just put your hand up? I'm going to pray for you right now. Somebody, I got one over there. That's great. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much, God, for this call to be real. Thank you for my sister who put her hand up and said, man, that's me. I need to be real. God, it is so easy to be fake. It is so easy to put the veil on. It is so easy to apply the filter. It is so easy to not be who we really are. But God, we're never going to have deep relationships just by the filter. We're going to have to be real. So, God, we have the courage to do that. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that you come. We thank you that you take the veil away. It's in your name we pray. Amen.